what you got like a reactor or somewhere in here <laughs> which just made me think of like a nuclear reactor size still like chernobyl would be very different if they were making pumpy yes instead of nuclear energy you certainly knock out a few 15 year old girls to Midsummer Maniacs, episode 14. Hey, Maniacs. And it's Halloween week. Ooh, it's my scary. favorite. It's my favorite week of the year. The best holiday ever. Ever. And we have a good episode. Oh, boy, do we. Garden of Death, which is season four, episode one of Midsummer Murders. Neil Dungeon. Yeah, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> Creeper's got a creep, man. That's... I, Neil Dudgeon's character in this episode and his becoming John Barnaby later causes such a conflict in my brain that it's hard to hold both of them at the same time. Yes, it is. It is Because uh, he's M- so skeezy. He's so very skeezy in this episode. Uh, this uh, Before we begin, as always, if you let your kids watch the show, they should be fine to listen to this podcast. But if the show is too much for their kids and they're scrumpy, it's too much for them to listen to this podcast. <laughs> Oof, I don't know. This was uh, filmed in June, July 2000 and broadcast the 10th of September 2000 with 7.65 million viewers. It's a good episode. We're we're well into that comfort zone of midsummer craziness that we yeah. expect. Yeah, so this is the first episode of season four, and season four is just rich with craziness. Full of insanity, just the way we maniacs like it. And it has two brand new people at the helm. Peter Smith directs this, and Christopher Russell writes it. It's the first time for both of them, and they do a great job. So walk us through the cold opening. So the cold opening has the following in it. A wheelbarrow, which either sounds like it's farting or squeaking. (laughs) It sounds a bit like our dog, really. It does, it does. Our dog kind of... (laughs) She's a bulldog, that's what they sound like. Yep, Uh, and there's a body in the wheelbarrow, and it gets dumped in the hole, and we know that it's a woman who gets dumped in the hole. In a bad pantsuit. In a bad... Well, we'll get to the clothing (laughs) worn in that particular scene later on. And, of course, we're going to spoil everything. We've expected that you have watched this episode before and maybe even rewatched it recently, Uh, so it's not a big secret that that's a flashback, right? Yep, that's That's a flashback. I think this might be our first episode with multiple killers. Yeah. Because there's two killers that both kill two people. Yeah, at least current day killers in the day yeah. of the episode. They're yeah, both killers. Definitely. Yeah. We're in Midsummer Deverell, named after one of the leading families the in Devils. Midsummer Deverell. The Deverells. <laughs> big, big surprise, right? So we have Augustus Deverell and his son Richard. And then the other big family in Midsummer Deverell are the Inkpins. I think the LinkedIn's, the Stinkpins. <laughs> I think of all these funny names for them because this, it's kind of a silly made up name to me, but I don't know if it's a British name, but I don't know if Graphite Pencil's another person. <laughs> we are the esteemed Graphite Pencil family. I just want to call them Bic. Yes, like they're the, the ink pen. They're the Bics, <laughs> the rollerballs. I don't know. 
So we've got uh, Naomi Inkpen, who's the matriarch, the grandmother, her daughter, Elspeth Inkpen, and her daughter, Fliss Inkpen. So we have three generations. But, by the way, if you're working on this at home, we really do need a family tree for this episode <laughs> because the intricacies of what goes on are pretty complicated. Mm-hmm. So we've got Naomi, Elspeth, and Fliss. Yes. And then Hillary Inkpen, who's the sidekick Cinderella character, who was put up for adoption by Elspeth when she was born, but is now back. So I have a question, English major, Mm -hmm. PhD type person. That's me. She would be a bastard if she was a man. What is she if she's a woman? She's still a bastard. She's just a bastard too? Okay. Yeah. It drives her insane. In the British royal family, they refer to female children, not of the marriage as bastards. So So she's a bastard. And at the beginning, we don't know who her, her parentage is, other than Elspeth. <laughs> Elspeth. Elspeth. Not Beth. Beth. <laughs> you have a problem with that P, don't you? I do. <laughs> <laughs> and Fliss is actually Felicity, but that's not an uppity enough name, so she's got to be Fliss. Fliss. Said like a snake. Well, she goes down like a sack of potatoes, so... <laughs> what I love is that later they call Hillary half an ink pen. She's as much half an ink pen as Fliss is. Yes, I mean, because they all only have one, one assume, ink pen parent, unless yes. there's some weirdness, Badger's Drift stuff going on. <laughs> They've only got one ink pen parent, all of them. You never know what Augustus was doing in Badger's Drift. That's, well, yeah, we're. I've got some ideas about that. Um, so we have this conflict. We know we're going to get into that, but that's how we start, right? As we know, we've got this ink pen family. They've got the ink pen gardens at the manor, the manor gardens. Um, that they're selling admission to. And apparently it attracts parents of the most unruly, messy, screamy children ever. Oh my God, those kids just drop a whole bunch of trash. I I, I almost got my gun after polishing my golf clubs. <laughs> I don't have a gun, but I do have golf clubs. Because that's what you do when you need an, an outing with your unruly, misbehaving kids. You take them to a boring garden. Uh, and... It charges a lot of money for them. Five pounds, 40 pence for an adult. And then it, it like, all those kids probably were one pound 50. It's just a lot of money. That's almost like 15 pounds for a family. Oh, well, a family is 12, uh, a family of at least four is only 12 pounds. I read all the signs. You did. Pre-book party rate is for 15 or more, but you have to pre-book is three pounds 95. Wow, you looked really closely, didn't you, at Elspeth and her little booth? The best part of all the signs was it's in very small type (laughs) on the first sign, which is outside, which says no public access at other times except for by appointment because it's closed Eastern and Christmas. Because that's where you want to go in the winter. Uh, Well, in the winter, it's only open on the weekends. They have no parking lot. No. They're on a little tiny lane, which makes the neighbors angry. And Tom, Tom makes a mention of no decent parking. So, of course, Joyce wants to go there, right? Because it's a boiling pot of tension. So Joyce has to be in the middle of it in her lime green outfit. Oh, boy. Let's go hit get hit on by the gardener. <laughs> We've got all these cars in the street. We've got screaming kids. And of course, this makes the neighbor across the street super pissed off. His name is Rodney Widger, and he is a Widger. That suits him very well. He, he is. And he comes uh, he comes out with his shotgun, shoots the tires out of one of the cars, well, and, and says, next time it'll be one of those bitches. Hold, yeah. Wow. 
he takes it to 11, but it kind of implies before that that the shooting is happening and we don't know if he's shooting people. Right, right away. because all like, the old age pensioners are running for their lives. Like it looks like a mass shooting at first. And of course, Barnaby, who is courageous, runs towards the problem, not away from the problem. Even though he isn't armed. He is not armed. He leaves Joyce by the sundial. Yes, he does. Makes a run for it to go see well, who's got the Luckily, someone gun. can talk to Joyce about <laughs> bedding plans. Yes. <laughs> the white bedder. And then Joyce just gives up their address. like, Oh, yeah. She's like, hey, stranger, here's where I live. Come and see me sometime. Bring some plants. Hey, hey, hey. You know, Tom's away a lot. This is tiny. <laughs> but Elsabeth in the booth has a box of book of of uh, guides behind her, a full unopened box. Yeah, but then Hillary has a box and she's like, we're almost out, out in the booth. Take them out there, slave. They're not almost out. No. They clearly have a whole box. She just wants to boss around Hillary. Yes. So For the shooting sure. starts. The shooting starts and Tom finds Rodney and wrestles the gun away from him and arrests him. He, he, He's not shot the tires out of the ink pins car. He shot the tires out of some poor punter's car. And when he says the bitch thing, like immediately you look at, Tom's face, and you're like, oh, Rodney, you just said the wrong yeah. thing. <laughs> his, his collar may be unbuttoned, but Tom is never off work. Yes. <laughs> that's not going to be good for him. We also find out that Joyce is, you know, getting um, organic meat from Desmond Cox, the super gossipy grocer. That Tom doesn't even notice they're on organic no, but Desmond has filled Joyce in on the whole background of Inkpen Manor that they lost it. The Inkpens fell on hard times and had to sell. Yeah, like and they Joyce sold... knows everything. Oh, yeah, because Desmond's filled her in because he's a super gossip grocer. That they had to sell it to the Bennetts. And yeah. they've just recently, like in the last few years, bought it back and they've opened it to the public for the gardens. You know what should be on the signs for the gardens? Mm. Inkpen Manor or the house where everybody hates everybody else in the house. Because <laughs> they all hate each other. They do. They do. Especially when they're fornicating polecats. <laughs> they're all as bad as one another, too. I can't believe the mother, Elsabeth, and Fliss are both doing the gardener. Yeah, I don't know what Fliss has to do with the gardener. Daniel Bolt is his name. Daniel Creeper McReeperson. <laughs> Played by Neil Dudgeon, of course. The hand that enters the frame. <laughs> That is not, okay, just a hint. If you're trying to entice a young lady. Don't reach for her throat. Don't reach for her throat. When she doesn't know you're there. Especially when she's a homicidal maniac. Well, he doesn't know that yet. Desmond Cox, the super gossip grocer, has a weird nose. It's like he has plasticine stuck on the end of his nose. Yeah, our, our kids thought it might have been a fake nose, like a prosthetic nose, but it's not. I think his nose might be a little red from... Uh, a little tipsy? I don't know. His name, the actor's name is Raymond Bowers. He was in lots and lots of things. He's a longtime actor. But his no, the makeup on his nose is wrong. <laughs> Every like single spot. scene, it looks yeah. wrong. So we're also introduced to another family here, mm-hmm. right? So Hillard, uh, sorry, Gerald and Jane Bennett. Bennett. Who owned the house for a short period of time. Bennett is a botanist and gardener, and he revamped the gardens for the whole manor, including building a memorial garden. 
that he then granted access and perpetuity to the village. Then they sold the manor back to the ink pens. Yes. Luckily, he has a big red book that explains all this. Yes. <laughs> the big red book of explaining. Gerald's got that. Jane is his daughter, and Jane spends the entirety of this episode on edge, mostly because her murder... It's about to be dug up. The the murder that she did is about to be dug up. This is an excellent inciting incident. Yes. Like, <laughs> like this is, I got away with murder of my mother for reasons we'll get into for years. And now that I've finally calmed down, they're digging up the damn memorial for a tea shop. It's just vandalism. Tom would like the tea shop, though, because... He wants some tea. Yeah, he's thirsty. Well, you know, you get thirsty when you're wrestling Rodney Widger to the ground. <laughs> so. Taking away his gun. So Daniel Bolt is the gardener for the ink pens. He maintains the gardens and he has a greenhouse with a secret. He's mixing up some medicine. Yeah, he's making hooch. Um, and Yellow selling it. with bits in it. It's- it looks like, okay, it looks bad. <laughs> It looks very bad. It, it's not something I would drink. And Michael and Dean, played by Dean and Michael. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the actors who play the two kids, are the characters' names are Michael and Dean, and the actors' names are Dean and Michael. Yes, Dean plays Michael, and th- Michael plays Dean. They're clearly having some fun here. Yeah, yeah. And I got to tell you, Dean Batchelor, who plays Michael, this was his last acting gig because he decided to go to college. You know what I was thinking? That those guys are like 18, mm. so now they're essentially 37. Oh. <laughs> those guys are going into their 40s. Oh, oh. I'm so old. <laughs> Thanks for that. Another... Skeezy thing we find out about the gardener is he tried to give some of the, he, well, he succeeded in giving some of this to their sister, who's 15. Yeah, so he not only is he a lech, but he may be a pedo, too. It, don't ride your bikes afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, don't go blind afterwards. Yeah, really? And he, he comes out of the greenhouse to say no, he won't sell it to them, but he brings a bottle with him. Yeah, he and he doesn't get any money for it. No, he gives it to them. He just gives it to them. I don't know. Like, does he get a secret thrill out of seeing kids drunk? I I do not know. I don't understand his motivations at all, ever. Until we get to the will, anyway. So Jane sees that the memorial garden is closed, and there's some stuff in there that suggests that maybe some work is going to be done. Uh Uh-oh. Maybe. You know what we need to have? A shovel. No. We need to have a village meeting. A tiny cement mixer? No. A village meeting. (laughs) A wheelbarrow? No. <laughs> a dead mother? No. <laughs> I love it. When so when uh, when Desmond Cox and the the rest of the townies come to Inkpen Manor to remind Elspeth about the meeting, she's like, "Oh no, rustics approaching." <laughs> she should and say, they all walk up just like the scene in. Um, Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz, where they all walk up to the door, too. She should say, oh, no, here comes the super gossip grocer with the fake nose. (laughs) With a flyer. So the meeting is at 7.30. Now, the posters for the meeting that are in Mr. Cox's shop don't have a day on them. So they must have just put them up and decided on the meeting today. That's why they've got to remind Elspeth when it is. The rustics approach. Because the flyers don't tell you. (laughs) 
The peasants are revolting, and that's just from a distance. (laughs) That's just the way they smell, yeah. (laughs) Hillary has been there at Inkpen Manor for about two years. And uh, as far as we can tell, Fliss has done nothing but annoy the crap out of her. Beyond annoying. She's a bully. She, She is mean. She's a mean drunk? Wait a minute. Her mother's a mean drunk. Wait a minute. Her grandmother's a mean drunk. They're all mean drunks. Let's talk about Hillary for a second, though. Yep. Because she's played by Victoria Hamilton. Okay. Who is an actress unto her own. She's in this great show called In the Game. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's got Brian Cox in it. It's about MI5 during the yep. 1970s. It's super good. But she is married to and has been married to for a long time, Mark Baisley, who you know better as Gray Patterson. Gray Patterson is from, her from husband? Faithful unto death. Well, he's bonking everybody in sight, so... <laughs> Ray Patterson. She she's she just plays this kind of mousy, quiet. Now, not all of her roles are like that, but I would say about half of her roles are Absolutely. like that. And the one role we know of him is just as a I mean, he's a gigolo, basically. But she <laughs> she plays that whole mousy thing up so well. She does a really so good that job. when in the climax of the show she gets angry, it really comes across. It's believable. Yeah. Yeah. So Joyce, of course, wants to go to the public meeting because she's got to put her head into everything that's not her business. Why does Joyce want to go to this public meeting? It's, she can vote. It, it's just... They don't live there. Why does she care? They don't live there. And Joyce is like, let's sit front and center almost. Poor Tom hardly gets a day off. And when he does, he has to go to a boring garden with no tea shop, arrest a guy, and then go to a public meeting. That's not a good day off. It's, it's not. And But Troy shows up. Because he drew the short straw and has the public service yeah, job, right? Yeah, he has right? to deal with, yeah. He has to be there to make sure that it doesn't get out of control. We don't, we don't know at this point whether Augustus is a jerk or not, Augustus no. Deverell. We know he's not all that nice to his son, but we don't know if he's a jerk or not. Because he might have a reason at this point. He might have a reason to be jerky to Richard. Well, he we don't know. does. Man, does he lay this smack down on Naomi oh. at the meeting. <laughs> Naomi's like, if you were a gentleman, you would move so I could sit with my daughter. And he's like, if you were a lady, I'd move. Ooh. <laughs> and then he goes, you could sit further back. And she's like, I've never sat further back. He should just mic drop. <laughs> she's mad, 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 mad. Naomi Inkpen is played by Margaret Tizak. Tizak? Yeah, I want to say her name is Tizak. She is, I think she might be the best actress she's in this episode. Great. She's fantastic. She's also in Small Mercies in 2009, another Midsummer. Yeah. But this is, here's what I didn't know. She's in A Clockwork Orange. Whoa. She's in 2001. What part is she in 2001? Elena. She's on the space station and everything. She's on the space station. That Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I so want to hear stories from this woman. Yeah. And she's in this awesome movie from 1978 called The Legacy. Well, of course, I know everything about The Legacy. <laughs> of course you do. God. <laughs> because as a child in the, in the 70s, I remember seeing Legacy commercials and being like, I need to see this movie right away. It is not appropriate for it, children. But she's great. You're right. I mean, she, right off the bat, you know, she is a bitch on wheels. She's having none of it. No. And you do not, you do not talk to her like that. So Jane talks and then Elsa Peth talks (laughs) 
And she calls it a NAF garden. Yeah. So NAF, I had to look that up. Oh, you've never heard NAF before? No, no. No good or tacky, especially from uh, an upper level person saying it about a lower level person. Like most of Joyce's home decorating is pretty NAF. Yeah. Her hair's kind of NAF too. And everyone freaks out. But wait, everyone freaks out a little bit more. And and the who is the lady who's running the thing? Susan. Uh, Susan. That's right. She order. She's she's got a little speaker of the house going on there. <laughs> she needs that stick. Troy shows up. The drunken kids knock over the table that is about to fall over already. Like they barely touch that table and it collapses. It is not a good table. Yeah. So Susan Millard is running the meeting. Yeah. Right. And she's the vicar's wife. So I guess she got picked. Yeah. To run the meeting because she can keep peace, I, I suppose. Because they know it's going to be a pretty contentious meeting. Elspeth's whole opinion is just that it's our land. We can do whatever we want. Which so I kind of agree. Shut up. She's right, but that's not the way to say it. No. Well, she certainly pisses off, what's her name? Susan, right? Because when Elspeth goes outside and is talking to the gardener, Susan's in the background giving her the look of death. Well, she's listening. She's like, her head is shaking. You can't see the face that Mark is making behind his mic, but he's trying to bug his eyes out. But her head is actually it's vibrating. Shaking. Maybe we'll make a little gif of you doing that. Oh, this is my Susan face. Susan Millard's play by um, Anna Calder Marshall, who is married to David Burke. Who plays Watson in the Jeremy Brett Sherlock Holmes? That's right. Episodes, and he is also is he the first Watson or the second Watson? The first one. He also plays John Farrow in Midsummer Rhapsody. Yes, that's right. He's the dad that comes back. That's right, and he's in uh, Poirot with the the pool. Yes, but her son, speaking of Poirot, is Tom Burke, who plays Cormoran Strike. And he's Lieutenant Race in the Poirot episode, The Clock. But when you get, <laughs> I, tell you, I love the, the holes I fall into, yeah. right? So I look up these actors and I, I'm like, yeah, they were all in the bill. Yeah, Coronation Street. Yeah, EastEnders. Yeah, 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 whatever, whatever, whatever. Because there's so many parts that people like this play. Yeah, absolutely. They're like short bit parts on lots and lots of shows. But Anna Calder Marshall was in a fantastic movie that I bet you've never seen. Okay, okay I'm going to okay. bet you. We'll see. Because I can't believe you've seen The Legacy. Have you seen Pussycat, Pussycat, I Love You from okay. 1970? So, so Pussycat, Pussycat, I Love You from 1970 was where the song came from, right? It's a song tra- It's a soundtrack movie uh, from Tom Jones did the soundtrack, yeah. right? Yeah. And it was a huge hit, that song. Yeah. I saw that movie when I was maybe 11 or 12 in the afternoon movie on a Saturday or Sunday. I remember it was English. I don't know anything else. It stars Ian McShane. Oh, my gosh. It's Lovejoy. Oh, wow. And she plays his wife. Oh, well. And then there are all these other half-naked ladies. That's why I remember it. Oh, yeah, I bet. (laughs) All of the movie posters are of a big bed covered in half-naked women and Ian McShane in a suit. I, I definitely know there's why 11-year-old Mark a, liked this movie. There's also a gorilla in a bikini. That's right. But Anna yes, Calder Marshall is like, you know, Ian McShane is the star and she's second. Okay, wow. In that movie. 
so there's all these pictures of her with um oh my gosh what's her name joanne lumley from abfab is she in that movie yes wow dude all of these older women british actresses that you think oh you know they're older now but i know they were really beautiful when they were young they're all in that movie and they're all undressed in bathtubs and all kinds of weird stuff of course you like we need to watch that movie again (sighs) (laughs) not with the kids around i'm telling you it looks serious so who doesn't go to the the meeting fliss and hillary right because they stay behind so fliss can bully hillary and make her miserable and the killer can arrive with shoulder shovel cam (laughs) the shovel that's used to kill fliss is approaching her at an angle that it would be like if you were holding a rifle. Like, it's way high in the air. More like if you were shooting pool, but standing straight up. Yes. Instead of bending over the table. And black gloves. Because some one of our uh, <laughs> one of the people online who, who follow us said that it's they if they stop selling black gloves <laughs> in midsummer, there would be no more killings. Yeah. I'm like, right there. <laughs> So, yeah, it is shovel cam, definitely. And it even kind of wavers like it's coming in. It's coming in for her head and the bonk. Yep. And then Fliss goes over. Fliss is dead into the sa- into the, the dirt. And Sarah Alexander, who plays Fliss, she, she has such beautiful, fantastic eyes. Her eyes are like half of her face. Yeah. So she goes down in that sand with her eyes open and it's dramatic. Yeah. They could have done with like a little trickle of blood across her face or something. Something. She looks a little too hole yeah but the the sand landing i think is good yeah i give it a thumbs up so what happens next really confused me okay because the next morning but i didn't realize it was the next morning i thought it was just after the meeting no it's the next morning because susan's out with her dog for their morning walk because susan had changed clothes i double checked this yeah (laughs) and i was like wait a minute like is Susan go home and change clothes? No, no. Then Crispin is a bad dog, much like every other dog on this show that never comes when they're called. Well, Crispin has a superpower. He does? He can sense dead bodies from he's a quarter very, mile away. He's very good at it. Yeah. He's like over the river and through the woods and peels off to run away from Susan because he's like, Hark, in the distance, I smell a dead body. I yep. must go find it. <laughs> And he's gone. So let's get this timeline straight. Elsa Beth goes to the meeting with her mother. Yes. They come home. Yes. Have something to drink. Yes. Yell at Hillary. Yes. Go to bed. Right. And they don't the know where Fliss entire is. entire night goes on. Right. They have no idea where Fliss is. Well, they don't look for her. They wake up in the morning. Fliss? Fliss, whatever. They're probably glad that she's not around that Did evening. Did they not they notice that she was gone? No. Plus, how far away is this memorial garden from the house? Far enough away that you wouldn't see it from a window. I I, I have no problem have with them not noticing there. she's gone that evening. They were probably grateful <laughs> that she was out of their hair. And the way she drinks, she probably crashes out early quite often. I, I was kind of weirded out by it. So she's dead in the memorial garden overnight, hence the snails. Yes. So I love that. Tom and Troy show up, or does Tom... Because somebody does a hand close up here. <laughs> so this was so much controversy in our house. We, we have not discussed this <laughs> issue yet. It is thought that 
Tom uh, that that John Nettles has long fingernails on his right hand and short fingernails on his left hand because he plays guitar. I run into lots of people who finger pick, finger pick guitar. This is what they have. They have long, strong fingernails on their right hand and short fingernails on their left hand. It's common. We know that Tom plays guitar because in The Axeman Cometh, he plays guitar with the Axeman. So we know John Nettles actually knows how yep. to play guitar. He actually knows how to play guitar. And Tom, the character, knows how to play guitar. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's quite a controversy online, but there is one giant dirty fingernail right there yeah, on the, a thumb. The hand comes down with no gloves on Yep. to pick up the one piece of forensic evidence Illegal. with no gloves on. <laughs> and it's minuscule. It's the corner of a page. And we see it's his left hand. His yep. ring is on it. And his thumb has a long, dirty thumbnail on it. And... This caused so much consternation <laughs> in our house last night. One of our and kids is absolutely sure that that's a stunt hand. It's it's a it's a hand double. So we well we just need to get Barnaby on the show so we can ask him if he has a stunt double for his hands. Yeah, we just need to say John Nettles, sir. Can we see your thumbs? Well, we wished him happy birthday last week. So the least he could do is come on the now. show. Yeah. Before he gets to the crime scene, though, Joyce is obsessed. She, he gets a phone call and she doesn't even stop talking. She's like, gardening, gardening, plant, 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 gardening, gardening, plant, plant, plant. He's on the phone. Oh, there's a dead body. I should come to the scene. And she's like, gardening, gardening, plant, plant, plant. My new bur- boyfriend's going to bring over some bedders. <laughs> I've never seen her so obsessive. She's like totally into it. And they're going to get some forensics off that piece of paper, even though Tom just picks it up with his hand. We, we have this whole suspicion, right? Because at the end of the village meeting, Daniel Bolt leaves. I'm a gardener, and I'm going back to the garden. And Elspeth says, there must be someone in the village you haven't slept with yet. While Susan stares eyes. <laughs> so now there's a body in the garden. Who must have done it? But the gardener. But Elspeth didn't follow him because she doesn't follow men. Right. She just bonks everybody of age. Oh, really, just him because he speaks Latin no, plant names to her. He also bonks, uh, she also bonks the um, Augustus's son. Richard, but that was when they were little. When they oh, were young, young. I hope not little. Well, when they were young. T- 25 years ago. 28 years ago. Still. Yes, she has She's had sex goer. with more than one person. She's a goer. You're right. Not as much as Jane's mom, but right. we'll get to that. So we, we want to make Neil Dudgeon, Daniel Bolt, look as revolting as possible. How can we do that? We've already hinted that maybe he likes 15-year-old girls. We've already seen that maybe he slept with Elspeth and Fliss. Hmm. He makes hooch. I know. Let's make it look like he's peeing. Yeah. Why did they do that? I don't know. And one thing I noticed right away is in this scene, because it's a close-up, Troy looks a little older here. He's grown a little. He's smart in this episode, too. Yeah, he is. They let him be smart. Troy is obviously, you know, they're they're saying he can't be just a complete babe in the woods anymore. No. He has some good ideas here. He's putting some things together. But uh, Daniel says, it, it's not hooch, it's insecticide. Do you get them drunk with it? I'm just a gardener. I'm not a ladies' man. Oh, how I loved her. <laughs> I mean, just make him look so nasty. Elspeth is going nuts. Yeah. 
like she's legitimately sad nuts she's sad sad. yeah but meanwhile her mother has no truck with it like no oh please stop your crying just has no truck with it at all am i allowed to cry my daughter just got murdered in our yard no ink pens don't weep like that barnaby talks to hillary in the garden in the garden near the bridge with the long spitting face it's a green man. It's a green man. Fountain. Yep. Into an ornamental pond. It's it's well done, but it's I could not cake my eyes off of it. It's gorgeous. It's all mossy and perfect. And you know who else is out there in the water? Shovel. The friends of the White Stick Brigade. <laughs> the Frogmen. It is the Frogmen with their blue overalls. And they found a, a shovel. shovel. Can you imagine a manor this old? With an ornamental pond there for that long, the crap that must be in the bottom of you that pond. You might find Roman crap in the, bo- in the bottom I of mean, that pond. I mean, you might find an ink pen in that bog. Exactly. But they find a shovel, which I can only assume they knew they were sort of looking for because they knew it was a blunt instrument. She was killed in the garden. And as we know, there was some construction equipment in that garden yeah. to suggest that maybe something was going to be done there. Who knows how Elspeth's husband died? He ran off. Oh, that's right. He left. Well, so did Jane's mother. (laughs) That's true. So there's this great scene where Naomi's looking out the window here, and Barnaby is talking to her, and she just ignores him. She's certainly not going to turn her head and look at him. And then is completely rude to him, and Barnaby takes a moment, because at first he's ready to rail into her. He takes a moment, and... Talks to her, and then she goes, we do not reduce our numbers from within. Because we're an endangered species. For a reason. Pesto will take you down. You're all nasty. So Tom and goes to see Jane, and he's got a really good point, right? The fact that Fliss was killed in the memorial garden is bound to slow the construction project down. Of course it and is. And who wants it slowed down? Jane. Jane does. Jane she really want, wants it slowed she down. She doesn't want her murder uncovered. <laughs> So if anybody was going to kill Fliss in the garden for that reason, it would be Jane, right? Yep. And we find out that Jane's dad, Gerald, his wife has been missing. She's a missing person. Right. She took all of her clothes and everything. She's in the memorial garden. Just so saying. he thinks she ran off. We know she's in the ground. That was her body at the beginning of the episode in the cold and opening. He, he loves her. You can tell he loves her still. Yeah. And he feels that she was fed up for being second fiddle to Snapdragons. He seems like a genuinely kind man. He does. He's actually one of the only kind people in this episode. Yes. Yes. And he likes football, which Troy likes. He's surrounded by jerks. Speaking of jerks, I have to go pee. (laughs) Well, you'll have to run all the way home because we don't unlock the bathrooms here at the Village Hall. For men. Do you have a prostate? No, No. I have cystitis. Rodney Widger is such a... And we noticed... Sarah noticed this, and then we couldn't stop noticing it. There are pictures of naked ladies all over that house. All over, in his kitchen, right next to his breakfast table. He's got a naked lady. Maybe he's in, in what's this... new, Pussycat? <laughs> pussycat, Pussycat, I love you. In the hallway, there's a naked lady. In the study, there's a naked lady. Actually, I think that may be a sequel to what's new, Pussycat. I'll, naked I, lady? No, Pussycat, Pussycat, where are you? I love you. Yeah, I think it might be a sequel. I to think what's they're new related. Pussycat? Yeah. Okay, they go both on. have pussycats. <laughs> and and uh, songs by Tom Jones. Rodney Widger's wife should just 
hit him with that vacuum until he's unconscious. Like, wow. Not only does he wear plaid pants and a silk jacket that don't match, he's got this like two inch wide, epically fake gold watch, a weird perm hairpiece, something, naked ladies all over his house. And he really needs to go to the bathroom. But he doesn't have a prostate. No. I beg to differ, Jeremy. Uh, Rodney, you do, in fact, have a prostate. Yes. It's well established that he's a jerk, that he left the meeting in the middle because he had to pee and he had to go all the way home to do it because Susan doesn't unlock the bathrooms. He but, wasn't at the meeting, so he doesn't have an alibi. But it's clear that he was he was he left the meeting because he was pissed, not because he needed to be pissed. <laughs> he was mad, for sure. So back to the Ink Pan Manor where Hillary, not Hillary, where Naomi Naomi is explaining how everything is their fault. Because if Elspeth goes around raising two fingers to the village, she does so when she's not raising her skirts. Yes. And she has the Nobel's oblige of a fishwife in a brothel. So Elspeth's just going to leave and go to the vicarage. Hmm. Hmm. Who cares? For those of us who don't know what noblesse oblige is, what is it? It's the permission or the rights of nobles. It, it is the act of generosity towards the less privileged. Right. That's their responsibility. Yes. They don't show it. We're rich, so we have to help the poor. Mm-hmm. So let me get this straight. This is the second time that Naomi has insinuated that her daughter and maybe her granddaughter are loose women. Yes. And yet, we're going to find out really soon that Naomi is the one who has been blackmailing the Deverells because her daughter has an illegitimate child with Richard Deverell. Just because... So she's willing to take in money because her daughter's loose, but now it's a bad thing. Just because my daughter and my granddaughter are sluts doesn't mean I can't profit from this. That's true. But only when they one of them is slutty with somebody of equal value. Yes. Right? Yes. She can't blackmail anybody for Bolt. He sleeps so that's with bad, everybody. Right? So and that's everybody bad. knows he sleeps with everybody. Only only slut around with with people who are of our class and who have money that we can blackmail them with. Richard arrives at this point in time, and Richard sleepwalks around in this entire episode. He arrives and people leave. He he gets there and they don't know why he's there. He just wanders around in this whole episode. Yeah, every time he walks into a room with his dad, his dad just like well, are you the Pope yet? And, and like, okay. Why aren't you wearing your bishop, bishop regalia in the house? I realize that I'm not Catholic, okay? So I may not understand, because he's certainly Catholic. But if I was a Catholic priest and I had fathered an illegitimate child, even before I was a priest, I would think about not being a priest. I would not think, hmm, let's go to Rome and up my job. But I don't think he knows anything about that. I don't think he knows there was even a child until the oh, end of the episode. Oh, until the end, that's right. That's he doesn't right. know, he doesn't right? Know. So he just comes home to visit his dad, and all his dad is doing is pestering him about why aren't you a cardinal yet? Yes. And why don't you wear your regalia in the house? You should look like the Pope. Like, is Richard supposed to sleep in his bishop garb? Yes, he is, really. You can't. You can't should go have, down to the chippy in you your bishop garb. You should have the little hat like the Pope. All the time. All the time. Meanwhile, Joyce is going to do some gardening. She's going to dig up part of the lawn. Yes. Which I immediately thought, who is she burying? <laughs> <laughs> you know? 
<laughs> like all these, when, when we, we put together, you know, all of these murders and gardens and stuff, it's like, and Joyce. Troy goes to talk to uh, the gardener about the pumpy. It's not scrumpy. It's pumpy. Made from apples, potatoes, and a tincture of garlic. Which just sounds disgusting. I had to get rid of my still. Stay off the pumpy. I've had scrumpy before. Yeah. Scrumpy's good. It's like extra hard cider. Yes. It's good. It tastes like cider. If you add garlic to it, that is not going to improve it. No, it's not. And then, and this is, again, the discussion that ran on in our family last night. Dirt under fingernails is mentioned at this point. <laughs> so it became this conspiracy theory that our children were watching yeah. this episode yeah. waiting for fingernail or dirt references. That maybe, you know, maybe Neil Dudgeon's hand was the stunt hand for Barnaby's hand. Maybe he was a Barnaby even this early. We just didn't know it. There's, um, so I went looking around for Pumpy, yeah. you know, in my long series of dangerous Googling yep. um, for this show. There is a brand of cider called God's Hill Rumpy Pumpy Scrumpy Cider. Wow. Which is fantastic. Troy's confronting Daniel in the greenhouse. Yes. <laughs> and he says, he wants to ask him where his still is, but he says, well, you got like a reactor or somewhere in here? <laughs> Which just made me think of like a nuclear reactor size still. Like Chernobyl would be very different if they were making Pumpy. Yes. Instead of nuclear energy. You certainly <laughs> knock out a few 15-year-old girls. But then, but then Tom has what used to be a Troy line, that last leaving line, and stay off the pumpy. And stay off the pumpy. Like Troy used to go and don't go anywhere. Don't do it again. Yep. You know, Tom My gets boss the, says, don't. Mm, yeah. Rodney Widger is using his friend Charles King as his alibi. Okay. Do we have enough assholes in this episode? No. no. <laughs> not yet. We've already seen Charles in his convertible almost run Naomi over with her basket. Barnaby talks to him. He says he's relentlessly married, which is just horrible. And then I thought he implied that he was gay by saying, you're looking up the wrong trouser leg. Oh, no. I think no. he's talking like a dog. Yes, I think so, at somebody's too. leg. Yes. So the first time we see Charles King is in his convertible, and I kind of want to hit him. And then we see him here again talking to Tom, and he says, Fliss had a reputation, but not a track record, if you know what I mean. She wasn't a goer. And I kind of want to hit him again. Yes. But then I really, really want to hit him when he's talking about Cynthia. Yes. Like, this whole episode is, hold me back. Yeah. I'm going to hit Charles. Charles and Rodney are the worst of the worst. <laughs> they just, yeah, two peas in a pod. Absolutely. Desmond shows up at the vicarage, and at this point, I remembered, because I've seen this episode before, but I forgot that this was part of it, the pesto. Yes. Because Desmond delivers... The super gossipy grocer delivers yep. a box of tomato juice, toilet paper, cleaner, and orange soda. So pesto. And apparently he's got extra pesto in the car. I guess. Because, Along know, with the loaf. But Mark, Elspeth won't eat. She's, 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 she's so too, too upset. Sad. She's she so upset. Eat. Elspeth is played, Elspeth is played by Belinda Lang. Yeah. She was Agatha Troy in Inspector Allen. Yes, that's Do you remember right. Inspector, Inspector Allen? Allen? She plays his girlfriend, yeah. and she's an artist. She's Another really cool. Another great show. And she's not so bitchy and uppity in that yeah, show. she's much better in that she's show. She's really good at playing these highbrow characters. And in that, in, in Inspector Allen, she's she is still a highbrow character, but she's yeah. very down to earth. She is. Um, she's married to Hugh Frazier. 
Oh, from uh, Downton Abbey. No. No. She's married to Hugh Fraser, who plays Hastings in the Poirot episode. Oh, my god! With David Suchet. That's fantastic. She's married to Hastings. Married we love to, him. We love Hastings. I just want to hug him every time I see him on screen. So Susan is hoping that she'll be able to get Elspeth to eat if she tempts her with pesto and pasta because it's her favorite thing. Meanwhile, they've been working hard at the lab on the scrap of paper. At night. <laughs> and they know that the letter was torn from Fliss's hand because yes. there was a scrap of ink under her fingernails. fingernails. <laughs> this episode is all about lime green and dirty fingernails and assholes. So then we have a, a quick shot of Daniel seeing Rodney sneak out. Now Rodney's going to go see Charles King. But where's Daniel off to? He's going to watch Badgers. What is going on with that? That's the worst excuse ever. But he does have night vision binoculars on. But why is he going to look at the badge? Because they're cool. I guess. And because Rodney's probably going to kill them all. It's like, hmm, I'm so horny all the time. I have to touch everybody. Wait a minute, Badgers. Hey, it's a wholesome hobby for him. It is. Okay, compared to everything else he does. That's true. And Badgers are interesting. He says it's a set of Badgers. Do you know what a set of Badgers is? No, I don't know what it is. A Badgers set? No. Badgers dig these really intricate tunnel systems. Okay. Way fancier than like no a idea prairie we dog. We're talk about Patchers in this episode. No, I'm just telling yeah. you, they're really cool. Okay. So you know, if you're a gardener, you don't want them in your garden. But if they're somewhere else, yeah, they would be interesting to watch. I guess I can imagine him climbing a tree to watch them. Keeps him out of trouble. Hillary is making like hot chocolate or something, and Naomi comes in and yells at her. Yes. Th- by the way, for a big manner. They have a really crappy kitchen. They do. In that scene, Hillary is in a bathrobe with nothing on underneath. It looks like maybe a nightgown or something, but not much. If we're to get this story straight, she goes back upstairs and gets into her killing clothes, including her black gloves, and then goes kills Elspeth. Yeah. I much rather like the idea that she just puts black gloves on and keeps the robe on. But you see a dark sleeve. Yes. When we have killer vision. We do see a dark sleeve, so that that's what breaks it. But. Even better, she must wrap up making the cocoa as soon as Naomi leaves and quickly start making pasta. Well, what am I going to put the pasta in? Mm, I've got this Tupperware, but I can never find a lid that Where matches. Where is the lid for the Tupperware? <laughs> It's nice to know that even the upper crust can't find the lid to their Tupperware. <laughs> Remember, when you come to your own killing, bring your own Tupperware. And a lid. Yes. Or you'll have to fiddle with plastic wrap while wearing gloves. And that's just a pain. Susan asked this weird out of the blue question about slabs, which is a joke that fills in at the very end. Yeah. But Elizabeth has a bath. and Susan is walking her up the stairs and she goes, okay. Up the wooden hill to Bedfordshire. Yeah, like she's a child. But that's a phrase that goes way back. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. There's all these like kids' nursery rhymes in the UK that refer to stairs as wooden hills and the Bedfordshire joke about being, you know, it's a long version of bed. Yeah. There's even a song by Vera Lynn recorded in 1936 Ooh. that's all about going up the wooden hill to Bedfordshire. The, is it like... 
raunchy 30s song or is no, it it's, it's a, a legitimate lullaby it's a lullaby yeah okay well elspeth soaks in the bathtub though susan goes off to church and never locks the door out of christian principle what christian principle says don't lock the doors it says i trust people not to break into my house thou shalt not lock your doors so the tupperware killer can get in well the geezer is heated up so elspeth can take a bath and she comes back to her room to find <gasps> Somebody has hand-delivered pesto to me. But now, no fork. Now, pesto <laughs> is ground-up parsley no. and oil. It's basil. Basil. Olive oil. Olive oil. Parmesan and pine nuts. Parmesan and pine nuts. Sometimes with a little lemon juice. It's all ground up, right? Yeah. It kind of looks like... It's an emulsified sauce. It's kind of... It's, it's speckly green. Mm-hmm. Mm. It is not uniform technicolor green. It, that green that that pasta is could be used for a green screen it, it could be yeah it's chroma key green pasta it's super green and hillary has so little class she doesn't even give her a fork she has to no. eat it with a spoon and and immediately elsabeth hates it <laughs> right you're gonna say it that way every time she hates it so what does she do this tastes like crap here, Crispin, why don't you eat it? Yeah. And Crispin's like, uh, I'm smart enough to realize that the killer did that. Well, I now, saw the killer come up the stairs and put that pasta in there, so I don't think I'm going to eat it. So again, okay, this is what happens. There's a weird timeline here. Hillary makes her hot chocolate, mm -hmm. goes upstairs, gets dressed, mm -hmm. comes back downstairs, mm -hmm. makes the evil demon pasta. Right. Puts it in the Tupperware. Right. Covers it in cleanware. Yes. Goes to the vicarage. Yes. Which must be like across the road. Right. Goes upstairs. Yes. Oh, sorry. Well, puts it in a bowl. Kitchen. Yeah. Because Susan had set out bowls because she offered to make pasta for Elspeth, but, but Elspeth didn't want any. Puts so it she in went a bowl off to church. with a spoon, yes. not a fork. Every, only savages know that, don't know that you eat pasta with a spoon and a fork. Take it upstairs. Yeah. Put it in Elspeth's room. Yes. Okay, so Elsa in, in, in the bath, and then creep out of the room again. Right. Okay, now where does she go at this point? The hallway. But Elsabeth goes from the hallway, from the bathroom to the hallway to her room. No, it's an attached bath. I, I think she goes in the hallway because she think, goes through the door. No, I think she comes out of the bathroom that's in the corner of the room, past the bed, and sees it sitting on the table next to the bed. So and then, the door is... Even further on. So then the door gets shut. The door that matches the pasta, by the way. Yes. And she uses her anger strength to keep it closed while Elsabeth is dying. Yeah. Well, okay. almost. She has to come in and force feed her some more to make sure she dies. Okay. So what I have in my notes is Elsabeth dies. Well, well, really, over a long time, she dies. <laughs> <laughs> because... And I'm not making fun of the actress or the scene or anything. It has to be a horrible death. Yeah. And it it far too often in a lot of these shows, it's like death happens instantaneously. Oh, no. She's moaning and screaming and struggling and wants to get out yeah, of the room and can't absolutely. get out of the room. Well, and she gets force-fed the pesto by Hillary. Mm -hmm. And then we have pesto hand cam. Yeah. Because we've got to force some more in. And then that gets it on the black gloves. So then... When the killer's hand goes and locks the door, the green door that matches the pasta. Along with the vanity on the other side of the room. That that sink and the matching towel. Yeah. She gets the pasta on the key. Yeah. Yeah. 
So there's little dots of it. So that death is is pretty hideous, right? Yes. So we find out later that what she was poisoned with was aconite. Yes. Which is buttercups. Yes. Buttercups are in, they have, it's a big plant family. There's two main branches. The ones that bloom in summer, jam-packed full of poison, yep. top to bottom. The ones that bloom in spring, less poisony. Okay. Not poison-free, but less poisony. Less poisony. But if you wonder, you know, when you plant this flower, do you know that it's poisonous? Because they've got a lot of it in the garden, we find out, right? Yeah. It's also called wolfsbane because yeah. they used to extract poison from the roots to put on spears and kill wolves. Yes. Leopard's bane, because you never know when you're going to run into a leopard. Mouse bane, it kills animals of all sizes. Mouse, leopard. Including Elspeth. Woman's bane. Whoa! <laughs> That's one of the names for it. Well, clearly, Elspeth is a woman. It may as well be called Elspeth's bane. <laughs> but it's also In called... pain. <laughs> it's also called Devil's Helmet and Queen of Poisons. What are we going to plant in the garden down by the guy, mm. the green man spitting? I know. How about queen of poisons? I like the purple color the best. So symptoms, two milligrams. Which is tiny. Of aconite, right? Yeah. It's very small. You're dead in four hours. Yeah. Tingling, numbness, nausea, vomiting, labored breathing, arrhythmia, clammy skin, confusion, paralysis, than death. I would say she goes through all those. And there's no antidote. Nope. None. None at all. They say the the only um the only care is support. Oh. That's what it actually says wow. in the medical dictionaries. Which means like a cold cloth and sorry, you're gonna die. How about I give you some more noodles? <laughs> that might help. You'll die even quicker. Yeah. Eat some more noodles. So Tom's looking for Elizabeth. And busts through the door and finds she's dead. And Susan does a good scream here. Man, does she do a good scream. With her hands on the side of her head. Ah! There's two ink pens in 24 hours that are dead. And I don't know why they have the whole, maybe Elspeth committed suicide. That's an elaborate suicide. Yeah, <laughs> death by pesto. I love when they confront Naomi with it. She, that's just not possible to her. It's completely possible to her that Elspeth killed Fliss, but not that she would commit suicide because an ink pen just wouldn't do that. No. And she, we might be murderers, but we don't commit suicide. She throws Daniel right under the bus. Oh man. Kabunk, kabunk. And then she admits that Elspeth owns the house. Yeah. Which means she would have left it to Fliss in her will. Fliss is dead. So who gets it now? Hillary and the gardener. Yeah. So Hillary and Daniel share ownership of the manor now? And then we get that weird phrase of one and a half ink pens. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's not a half ink pen. She's just as much as anybody else. Troy has figured something out here. He's figured out that Gerald's wife, when she took off, only had a shoulder bag. Right. That's what the... The people at the hotel said in the statement that they made at the time. And the next day, all her clothes are gone. So there's an inconsistency there. Something happened. He's being real smart. He is. And he realizes this and goes to talk to Rodney, whose wife completely blows his alibi. And he goes, can we discuss this elsewhere? I have every bit of sympathy for her. Absolutely. Maybe she wants him to go to jail just so she could get rid of him. And Barnaby's like, you should follow this lead. I don't know where it's going to go, but... That's a good idea. Yeah. And then we go to see the Devereaux again. 
Yes. And Augustus is sitting in that fantastic chair. It is fantastic, and you must rule out suicide. <laughs> it's got wings and a crown. It, it has everything. And apparently he sits in it until 1 o'clock in the morning, unless he's off at Badger's Drift seeing his friends. And his son makes an episite entrance. Who's still alive in Badger's Drift? I, I don't know. <laughs> like, who is he visiting there? So this is the point where we see Daniel trying to now make it with Hillary by reaching across the frame with his hand to her throat. throat. <laughs> when she doesn't know he's there. This is not how you pick up women. She should have grabbed him over her shoulder, karate chopped him, and flung him into that lake. She should have. Yeah. She certainly is the rage, man. Then Widger tells the story. Tells all. And the episode gets skeezier. So we take a turn here. What happened is that Widger and Charles King, on the night that Cynthia Bennett went missing, met her at the Deverell Arms in Coston. Okay. She was a very friendly lady. She was friendly. You she, understand? She friendly. knew her way around chaps. She was friendly. But before that... You other detective, get away from me there. <laughs> that poor guy. <laughs> Troy's sitting jauntily on his desk talking to Skeezy Widger. And that other detective is like, huh, what's on that desk over there? Maybe I'll go look at it. Troy's like, get out of here. Gives him the head nod. So <laughs> Cynthia meets Charles and Widger at the hotel. And I have the following note. It's nice that they wore suits to the orgy. <laughs> See, I, all this time, I was thinking that Cynthia went missing like a long time ago because Widger's suit is like polyester. He's got these super wide lapels. His collar's super wide. His tie is super wide. So I'm thinking like, did she go? Dis did she disappear like in the early 80s? No, no. It was like five years ago. And she also, like, there is, there is a distinct lack of sexiness in any part of this scene. It is just, ugh. Yeah. Because then your mind, and I'm sorry, I have to do this, goes to what happened in that room. Yeah. And I had to stop myself. It involves Rodney without clothes on. That's all you need to say. I spent 30 seconds of my life thinking about it, and then I said, stop. We don't need to go into that. Let me give you a little bon... What do they call those little snacks that change your... Not a bon vivant, a... Uh -uh. Amuse-bouche. Uh, yeah. Let me give you an amuse-bouche okay. to distract you okay. from the idea of Rodney's naked please, butt. Please. Oh. <laughs> Charles King. Rumpy-pumpy. <laughs> Charles King, the other yes. naked white butt in that scenario, is played by Tom uh, Chadbun. Okay. He was in many episodes of Wire in the Blood, yes. which is a really good show. If you've never seen it, you should go see it. But in 1974, he was in this movie called The Beast Must Die. Okay, I've never seen that movie. Whoa, I found one. I found a bad movie you haven't seen. This but is amazing. But now I have to see it. Okay, so The Beast Must Die is about this island where this millionaire invites seven people to the island because he knows one of them is a werewolf. Okay, okay, I definitely need to see this movie. The best part of this movie is that it has audience participation. Uh, audience participation? Go, go on, please. <laughs> I know, this is interesting, isn't it? So this is a 1974 movie, okay? Yes. There's no Twitter or anything like that. Can't do that. So what do they do? Near the end of the movie, before they reveal who the werewolf was, there is a 30-second werewolf break in the movie okay. where you are invited to turn to the people around you to discuss 
who is the werewolf. Good Lord. And come we to a conclusion before you see, see the end movie. of the movie. You <laughs> have to see this movie within this week. The Beast Must Die, 1974. Speaking of Charles, oh. this is where I really want to hit him. Oh my God, Charles is so horrible. His wife is in the kitchen, ironing, I think. Something. And he's like, wives have ears, even if there's nothing between them. It was oh, sport. Him. Just pure sport. Missing Cynthia is like missing your favorite golf club. Can I punch him now, please? Just so horrible. I want to hit him. Hit him, hit him, hit him. Even though he's not one of the many people in this episode who have homes covered in beautiful blooming wisteria. Yes, there's many I'm not going to say anything more about that. Just know that there is a bubbling, fuming rage inside of me over all the wisteria in this episode. Georgie Bullard shows up and gives some information. Yeah. <laughs> he says it was aconite. We know that it was devil's helmet. And Susan Kitchen is not full of poison. No, because she never cooked anything. But man, does she hate Jezebels. <laughs> she's got some strong feelings about it. And meanwhile, I just kept going, where's the vicar? If she's not the vicar, where's the vicar? Yeah. Well, he's away for a few days or something. He'll be back. Or something. Yeah. Or is he? And then we find out that the memorial garden, which is about to be dug up, was created within a week of Cynthia's disappearance. Hmm. What's in the garden? A dead slut. <laughs> you shouldn't call her that. She was friendly she, with uh, men. There's a dead friendly lady in there. She's a dead friendly <laughs> lady. The body's got a necklace on it. Yep. Which is clearly shown in the flashback. Yeah, it's clearly the necklace that Cynthia had on. Yep. So now we know that Jane killed Cynthia, right? Cynthia, no, we don't know that yet. We're going to find out very soon. We're going to find out very soon. But they, they suspect that there's something going on there. So, because who doesn't want the memorial garden dug up? The Bennetts don't. So let's go to the Bennetts' house. And Jane is doing ugly crying next to the Aga. And when Troy and Tom come in, the yeah. door is open and there's blood dripping from the ceiling. But is it blood or is it tea? You know, because they look alike. Yeah. So they go upstairs and there's a teacup overturned in Gerald's bed. And Tom pulls away the sheets. With fingernails, visible. <laughs> Gerald is dead in his bed. And she gave him some medicine and put a pillow over his head. Maybe it was rosehip tea. I've had rosehip tea that was really red. But still. But it, it's definitely supposed to be blood running out of the out of the fixture in the ceiling. And even if it was only it, oh, this 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 bugs me. It would take a lot of liquid to permeate the floor, the wood floor, go through the, the space in between and come out that and a mug is not enough. Yep, and Jane would have cleaned it up. Where is Jane anyway? Jane's here. <laughs> right here. <laughs> Meanwhile, Bolt's being creepy with plants. He's even creepy with plants. He's just, from now on to the end of the episode, he's only there to make you creepy. You have bloomed too much. You you have bloomed yourself to death. <laughs> just deadhead the flowers. Don't be creepy about it. One thing I like is Jane just gives it up at this point. Yeah. Right? She gives up that her mother was drunk, fooling around, so she killed her with a pair of nylons. That was it. And then placed her in the smallest hole ever. It's the shallowest grave in existence. And starts throwing dirt on her. And her mom is there in her bad suit in the moonlight. And we get the close-up of her face. And her tongue's moving. Oh, 
it's just I don't think it's supposed to move. I think she's yeah. bad corpse acting. Yeah, she's bad. Mom is I don't think she buried her alive. Cynthia is not the best corpse actor. But then Jane proves that she's the best gardener ever. Yes. Because overnight she builds the memorial. She builds the entire memorial. So, okay, so let's get this straight. <laughs> Dad's building the memorial. He has all these plans. And he goes to bed after his wife goes for a little bit of rumpy pumpy with Rodney and Charles. Yeah. And she wakes up the next morning. And what do you know? It's all done. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe all, I'll put a plaque here. All those big flagstones have been laid down evenly on a bed of sand that's all level and tamped down. The sundial has been placed in the center. Well, he was such an innocent, so he was stupid. I don't know. And she's also emptied out her mom's closet. Yes. Now, her mom did have a separate bedroom. Yeah. So that makes that a little easier. And she puts all of her clothes in her car. It would have broken his heart. So the police didn't notice all these clothes in her car? She just took them to the dump. But she I'm not come, a homicidal maniac. She can come garden for us anytime now, because she's fast. Let's just review. She's killed her mother. Mm-hmm. She's killed her father. Yes. But she's not a homicidal maniac. Did you see the look on her face when she dumped her mom's body? She's that a, was a maniac face. She absolutely... Well, when she was killing her mother. Her eyes were buggier than Susan's. Absolutely. We find out that the house gets left to Fliss, Hillary, and the gardener. Mm-hmm. And Daniel is on because the make we get again. El- because we get Elspeth's will. Yeah. Which is on lime-colored paper. Because everything's on what lime. What is up colored. with that color in this episode? Yeah, it's the green episode of Greentown. Then Richard Deverell now knows that he's Hillary's father. Yes, and Troy and Barnaby confront him about this because... he's But he's literally just found out. He's just found out. His dad has just filled him in because Augustus is a jerk face. a gun is being loaded because we're heading for the climax. Augustus takes off to the ink pens for the battle of the old age pensioners. The OAPs are going to fight it out. Another slowest battle of all time. Because he's going to see Naomi, who is apparently in the attic or something. Why is she in the attic? Can't she meet him in the parking lot to do the blackmail thing? No, she has to sit up at her little table. I guess so. But you know who else is there? Wait a minute. Rodney's there with a piece of good information. My gun's missing. Oh, well. No, he's like, there's been a burglary at my house. And Tom's like, I don't care right now. He goes, oh, you're going to. <laughs> That's the only redeeming part of Rodney in the whole episode. <laughs> so we find out that Hillary has killed her mother and her sister. Best line ever. She, tell, she tells everybody that Fliss showed her the paper. Yes. Showed her a copy because, you know, you keep duplicates of your blackmail letters. It's important to keep lots of copies of blackmail letters. You type them in triplicate on the carbon paper. Yes. And rubs it in her face that basically the only reason that they took her in. Yes. Was so they could blackmail the Deverells. Yes. Right. Hillary says about Fliss, she opened my eyes, so I opened her head. Yeah, that's such a great line. Boom! And then, (laughs) then, uh... Naomi's like, Fliss was a stupid little bitch. And Hillary goes, well, now she's a dead little bitch. Yeah. Like, woo, who's mousy now? Yep. <laughs> and I'm going to make a mess with you. Mm-hmm. And then she shoots Augustus. Now, in the gut? Now, it looks kind of yeah, like it's maybe... In, gu- in, in his arm. Yeah. He's in pain. Oh, yeah. He's crying. He yeah. does some good acting there. He does. He's not a dead body. No. Though we never happen to know what happens to him. I'm assuming he survives. One would hope. Hillary goes to jail. Yep. Sits in her cell in her bunny suit. Richard comes in, holds her hand. That poor man. 
Richard and Gerald have done nothing wrong. No. Nothing. And yet they're hurt by everything in the episode. So then there's a weird little scene where Susan's reading her Bible and Troy shows up and implies that she's a murderer. (laughs) The scene kind of implies it, right? The way it's shot and everything. Yeah, because now everybody's wondering where's the vicar. Yes. And she's got the new slates. Yeah. And a new patio. That she's clearly just put down. Jezebels. My husband likes them. (laughs) He says that. She says that her husband is far too kind to Jezebels. Boy, I hope he was away at a conference like he said. Because if not, he's going under the the slabs. Absolutely. And then Crispin. Oh, she has wisteria too. Who doesn't bark at the killer, barks at Troy. (laughs) Of course he does. (laughs) So what does this episode need to finish it off? Hmm. Um, more gross sexual innuendo. Yeah. That is vigorous and erect. <laughs> Bolt can do his propagating elsewhere. Is is Joyce that naive? Or does I, she, she just was want like, the- I was going to offer him a drink. Is she just playing Barnaby? Or I would think Joyce is smarter than that. See, she, to me, she doesn't seem threatened by Daniel at all. But she also isn't like welcoming of his approach. No. But she's not dumb. So she probably knows that he's on the make, but she's not going to accept any of his advances. So she's just going to get a ton of free plants. I'm going to give Joyce the better part of doubt, right? Yeah. So she's just using him for free flowers. It's a little fun that it annoys Tom. Yes. But that's not the point. No. The point is that she gets the free plants. Do they have any lawn left to sit on? I don't know. She's buried some bodies under there. Excellent first episode of season four. Oh, yeah. Two killers. Two killers, which Four I think murders. the first time we've had two killers. Yeah. Four bodies, best corpse. So we've got Cynthia and her tongue. Yep. Fliss and her snails. Yep. Elspeth and the Technicolor pasta. Yep. And Gerald Bennett and his duvet of death. Yes. Which is the best. I'm going to go Elspeth. Why? Because, well, the lead up was fantastic. And then she just dies. <laughs> I'm going to go with Fliss because I think it would be really hard to be that still with snails crawling on you. Yeah, she does a great job. They both do a great job. Absolutely. And now I'm going to suggest that we have a second little question here. And, and what would that category be? Who is the biggest jerk? Let me list off wow. the possibilities. Okay. Naomi Inkpen? Yes. Elspeth Inkpen? Yes. Fliss Inkpen? Yes. Augustus Deverell? Yes. Charles King? Yes. Jane Bennett? Yes. Cynthia Bennett? Yes. Or Rodney Widger? I'm going to add Hillary <laughs> Inkpen to that. Nah, see, I don't think she's a jerk. I think she just snaps. Who knows still, what her life was like? Okay, still, if you want to add Hillary, you can add Hillary. I'm going to say the biggest jerk to me in the episode is Charles King, because I don't think anything redeemable comes out of his mouth in the entirety of the episode, while Rodney at least warns him that his gun has been stolen. <laughs> <laughs> so there's nothing redeeming about Charles, so he's the biggest jerk? He Wives have ears. Even I'm though there's nothing between them. Just like, oh my gosh, I don't want to deal with you at all. You want to hit him. Yeah. You want to hit him, hit That's, him, hit him. What about for you? I think Naomi Inkpen is the biggest jerk. She's the mother of all jerks. Yes. Right? Literally. <laughs> <laughs> so she's raised Elspeth to be the way she is. She's allowed Fliss to be raised the way she is. She allows them to treat Hillary the way they do. And she's a gigantic hypocrite. Yep. I do have another question. And she's mean to Tom. She's mean to Tom. So I have a question. Augustus is the patriarch. Mm -hmm. And 
Hiller and Naomi is the matriarch mm-hmm. of two separate families. Mm-hmm. I would have dropped a line about him chasing her when they were young or her spurning his advances when they were young just to turn that knife a little bit more. See, that never would have happened, though, because they're Catholics. The Devils are Catholics That's and the right. Inkpins are Protestants. Yeah. It's, it's It would have been a Romeo and Juliet deal. But but Richard and Elsa Peth are... Not married. They no. didn't get married. No, they fooled I, around I when they say, were young. I didn't say married. I just said some. Yeah, but that's different. <laughs> yeah. Right. That wasn't. That wasn't approved. Yes. Hanky panky. Yeah. Right. And there was a love child who came out of it. So Hillary must be the devil or something. So this episode of the podcast drops on the twenty eighth of October, Halloween week, Halloween. and we have a question for you about Halloween week. What midsummer character are you going to dress up as on Halloween? Oh, it's hard. And we hope you guys will tell us what you would be, who you would be, which character you would want to dress up as. I'm so posting that on Halloween day. Absolutely. If I had to choose one character from all of midsummer yes. to dress up as for Halloween, it's got to be Iris Rainbird. It iced sombreros. I would have an ice sombrero. Yeah. I would have the glasses with the chain. Yeah. All of it. Well, you're far prettier than her. Oh, thank you. I would be Jack Axman McKinley. Oh, yeah. He's got a big old beard. I don't have long hair, but he's got a big beard and plays guitar. That's who I would go You after. could pull off the long... I've done the dude before, so And I you could... can play guitar, so... Yeah. And he, he's the Axman... And the name of the episode is The Axeman Cometh. So, yeah. you know, he's part of the name. That makes him big. Yes, definitely. Plus, he's a tough dude. He is he rides a motorcycle. a tough dude. So who would you be for Halloween if you had to dress up as a midsummer character, assuming that there would be enough people around you who were savvy who enough about understand. midsummer who would understand? You're going to the Midsummer Murders Halloween fancy dress. Yeah. You're going to the Midsummer Maniacs party. Yes. We'll, absolutely. We'll recognize you. <laughs> We'll so, know who you are. So on Twitter. Because <laughs> we're that kind of nerds. <laughs> and Instagram, we are at Midsummer Maniac. We're on Facebook, on the Acorn Group and the Midsummer Group. We are, again, just stupidly overwhelmed by all the positives that you guys have done. It's, it is really keeps us going. It's awesome. It is fantastic. And we thank you for all your comments. They just tickle us pink. Speaking of comments, drop us a comment this week on who you think the biggest jerk of the episode was, who the best corpse was, and what's your midsummer Halloween costume going to be? Next week, episode two of season four, oh baby, Destroying Angel. Yeah. Oh. Evil mushrooms. This evil mushrooms and Punch and Judy and naked guys running in the forest and oh it's all awesome midsummer at its best absolutely so tune in for that next week maniacs until then bye maniacs bye maniacs
we've, we haven't talked about this before, but I saw a number of movies in theater before I should have seen them. <laughs> and The Legacy was one of those movies. Well, she plays Nurse Adams. Yeah, yeah. I Who looks more like a nun than a nurse. Yeah, well, well that, that movie has some, that's like kind of a, an omen offshoot. Well, isn't somebody a werewolf? Like a millionaire brings these seven people to an island because he knows one of them is a yeah, werewolf yeah. and she's the nurse on yeah, the island. Yeah, I think so. Like, it's just weird, but yeah. she... It's a weird Naomi movie. Naomi Inkpen, she's in that movie. Yeah. It, it in 2001. Fantastic. Yeah. She was in two Kubrick movies. What other... Oh, and Clockwork Orange. Yeah. yeah. If only she'd been in The Shining. <laughs> or Eyes Wide Shut. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. 